0: This is a Freedom Church sermon, and we are so glad you're listening or watching. Please do check out our website, myfreedom.church, for more information about us, more media, and other resources. Right, so um, uh, a few weeks ago I sat down in my comfy chair with my Bible and said, Holy Spirit, take me somewhere, take me on an adventure. Whew, it's been good. I'm telling you, I've, I've had a really good last several few weeks. And um, When you kind of put yourself out there and say, come on, Holy Spirit, take me somewhere, he holds you to it. And I'm uh, beginning to see things in Scripture and hear things from the Spirit that I've never seen or heard before. And it's just been really excited. And I'm not entirely sure where I'm going to go with my notes, or at what point I'm going to start with, how I'm going to finish this. I've got a few different things, but what I want to do is just try and release what's inside me and share it with you, and I don't necessarily join together, um, but I just feel like it's manner that I need to share whilst it's fresh, and if I leave it and I share it another time, it's going to be a waste of time for you and I, because it, it was. I think it's meant for now. Right. So um, one of the things that uh, I really felt the Spirit challenged me on is I was... I was reading uh, John 11, and it talked about uh, Jesus got to hear that Lazarus um, has died. And uh, to cut a long story short, it was interesting, the the word that Liz shared earlier, actually. In fact, let's have a look at it. Let's, Let's go into it. All right, so John 11, 11. Uh, these things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go, that I may wake him up. So this is something I was going to share, but this is not the bulk of the message this morning. But it ties in so well with the Jairus' uh, daughter story. And then across in John 11:40, 40, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? That if you believed, you would see the glory of God. Who believes this morning? You will see the glory of God. Now this is on the back. I've been going through John. This is on the back of John 9. And John 9, 1 to 3, I think it is, It's where um, there's a blind man. He's been born blind and he's always been blind. And Jesus heals him. And what it says is that He was healed, or rather he was blind, not because of his sin or the sin of his parents, but that he might reveal the works of God. And this is something I shared in a prayer meeting a few weeks ago now. It was just a whisper from the Spirit, and I didn't realise the significance of it. It was just a whisper. And I want to say that the Holy Spirit is talking all the time, like, all the time. If we've not heard the Holy Spirit in the last seven days, it's because maybe we're not listening or we're not unplugging. Because the Holy Spirit is talking all the time. And so, I've completely forgot what I was talking about. What was I was not talking about? Come on, let's see if you're listening. Blind man. Thank you. Excellent. Brilliant. You've got one of those brains that just absorbs everything like a sponge. I wish I had that. Liz is like that. I'm not. So John 9, the blind man from birth. And we look at the illnesses, we look at the diseases, we look at the infirmities, we look at the disabilities. And we go, oh God, what a state our world is in. Oh God, not another person in our church that has taken sick. But in this, the Spirit said, look at it from my perspective. It is an opportunity for the glory of God, to reveal the works of God. So we look at it from this side, and we go, oh, that poor person is so ill. they have got an infirmity, they have got an illness, have got a disease, they have got a disability, whatever it might be. We look at them and go, oh, let's pray for them, and let's hope that God does something. But the Holy Spirit is saying, no, don't look at it like that. Look at it from my perspective. There's an opportunity. There is an opportunity for me to reveal the glory of God, the greatness, the healing power of God. We don't have to stand on this side and go, oh dear, not another one. Let's get together, church, and pray. Oh, excellent. Anybody here who's sick or ill? Or got any sort of thing like that at all? Anybody? Yes. Yeah, okay. What an opportunity. This is not a time to go, oh dear, not another one. The devil's really attacking our church. Oh dear, we're on the back foot here, church. What are we going to do? The Holy Spirit's saying, hang on a minute. Reality check. Here is opportunity. So should we pray at the end for that? Yeah, let's pray for the sick. Okay, good. Right now, another thing that God showed me whilst reading John eleven was this. I imagine. Can you everybody see this? Great. Okay. Imagine I'm in a Ferrari and it's gear stick. Um, right. So I imagined I was reading John eleven. I was thinking about life and death, and he uh, wasn't Lazarus. He was actually dead, but Jesus said he was asleep, and then he was, spoke plainly to them. Said, No, actually, no. He is dead. Was was Jesus too late? No. Was Jesus doing this to reveal the glory of God? Yes. So I was thinking about this timeline, and we think of it, even in the kingdom of heaven as well, even as, as Christians in church, we do fall into this trap. And sorry, Cameron, you're going to have to follow me everywhere. So the timeline is like this, life, 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 death. And this is death. Life, death. Birth, childhood, adulthood, old age, death, eternity. That's what I imagined in my mind's eye. Then the Holy Spirit went, it's like that. And he flipped the stick around. And It's not, it's not like that. It's like that. All have been born into sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Every single person on this planet falls short of the greatness, the glory, the wholeness, the majesticness, if that's a word, of God. This side of the line, life. This side of the line, death. So I have to say to you that if you are a Christian today, you have already stepped into eternal life. Death is just a passing into the eternity that you are already guaranteed and already in the spirit living in. You are already alive and will be alive forevermore. But I'm going to say to you now that if you have not confessed that Jesus is Lord, you are already dead. We are not waiting for eternity to die to find out whether we are going to make it into heaven or not. If you have not confessed that Jesus is Lord, you are already dead. So my challenge to you this morning is if you have not done this already, you need to confess that Jesus is Lord. Why is he Lord? Because he is God. Because he came into this world and he died for us in our place, when we should die and be judged for our sins, Jesus died in our place for all the sin that we have done, doing and going to do. What an incredible saviour that he stepped into our mucky, dirty, dark world that he created in lightness and glory and to be a wonderful place, we screw it up. And he didn't wash his hands of it and walk away and start again on Mars. But he went, no. I have a plan and I have a destiny for the people. But we have a choice. We can continue to travel on this uh, line, this path of life, but you're already dead there's no hope for you there's no gamble when you get to the judgment seat and you stand there before almighty God you're not going to convince God that you're going to get into heaven based on anything that you have ever done that you consider to be good there is nothing that we can do as human beings that will credit us into heaven So if you have not confessed that Jesus is Lord, you are dead already. You are dead in your sin. That is your timeline and that is your destiny. Hell. Separation from God. Hey, stay as you are because you're already separated from God. You don't have a relationship with God. You are dead already. But if you confess that Jesus is Lord. Let's have a look at Romans I'm well off script here. Who cares? Who cares? Probably not even going to find it now. There we go. Romans 10, verse 9 to 13. Has anybody got it and wants to read it nice and loud for me? Yeah, go for it, Nick. Do you want the microphone? Sorry, what verse was it? 9. 9 to 13. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says... Everyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, Nick. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Does anybody want to call on the name of the Lord this morning? Does anybody want to confess that Jesus is Lord for the first time this morning? If you're all saved, excellent. If you've not, you carry on with that gamble of life, but you will go to hell, I assure you. So let's have a conversation afterwards if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus this morning. So one of the other things I was thinking about um, and the Holy Spirit, I don't know whether it's the Holy Spirit or me, just kind of thinking about it, but I don't know where it came from, so maybe the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, name or title? There's one for you to have a think about. Name or title? You think it's name? Yeah? Anybody dare have a go, apart from? Both? Both? Both. Oh, that's playing it easy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah? I'm going to go with title, Um, it could be name, it doesn't matter either way, it doesn't really matter at all. But what it did do, it set me off on a bit of a journey, another journey. Um, And I was looking at uh, names of God, did you know that Jehovah didn't appear until the 16th century as a word? Didn't know that at all, I thought it was in the Bible, I thought it was you know, spoken over 2,000 years ago. But it does talk about Yahweh. Okay, I was reading about Yahweh. Now, this is a noun. It is a, a name of God. Now, I'm thinking, wow. Okay, and this is a name of God. So, I'm confused now because Jesus is the name that is above all other names. Okay, so it, Jesus is Lord. Okay, but now we've got also uh, Yahweh. And how do we work this one out? We're a bit confused now. But we could say like um, uh, all the names of uh, of God. What was the El Shaddai and things like that? Yeah, and El this, El that, and all the other. Okay. But uh, um, Elohim refers to God as powerful, the mighty one. And it's interesting, in Genesis 1, it refers to God as Elohim, okay, God the Almighty One, the one who creates. But then in the next chapter, Genesis 2, it talks about, or it refers to God as Elohim, um, Yahweh. Now, Yahweh means, now I always thought it meant, that God is really holy, and um, it's a name that we, we almost daren't speak, or the Jews daren't speak, because it was so holy, so reverent. So, uh, so they they've, they've avoided using it, but they did use it. But here in Genesis 2, Elohim Yahweh, almighty God, all-powerful creator God, is also in relationship with those who follow him. Yahweh was actually an intimate name for God, for those who follow him. So here we see Almighty God, the creator, the the, the great one, the creator of all things, is also in relationship, is intimate with those who love him and follow him. And I didn't know this, but until about 600 to 300 B.C., the name Yahweh just sort of fell out of use. They stopped using it. Which is really interesting when you think, when the prophets were doing all their prophesying, that actually that stopped. God stopped speaking about 400 years before Christ came onto the scene. They went through a silent period where God wasn't speaking. So how dare they, how could they use the name Yahweh... Because they were no longer in intimate relationship with God. God was quiet. They were going through a night season, a dark season, a period in their history where they were just lost. And so I want to say to you that also that the name Yahweh is referred to with God in intimate relation, intimate covenant with his people. So Yahweh signifies God in covenants with people. Those that he loves. And he wants to reconnect and have that intimate relationship with him. 400 years of silence. And then Jesus comes on to the scene. Jesus is the name in which we have a new covenant. So it's the same God... And we don't have to get confused by names and what do we call God and is it a title or, you know, should we say Father or but is that title? We don't have to get mixed up in all that sort of thing. If we just simply say, well, actually in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, we had Yahweh, God wanting to uh, have relationship and he called himself Yahweh when he spoke to Moses at the burning bush. There was a, a moment of reconnection again, wanting to connect with his people and lead his people out of slavery. And then we zoom forward into history to Jesus who comes on the scene and he wants to reconnect with his people. He wants to uh, engage with them again. He wants to rescue his people. But not only the Jews, but the whole world. He doesn't care whether you are Jew or Greek. He doesn't care whether you're English or African or Indian or even Australian. He wants to rescue Every single one of us, that is his heart. And that's what we see throughout the Bible, is God's heart. That he passionately longs for each one of us to step from death and step into life. Right, let's have a look at my sermon. Let's turn to John chapter 21, please. So God gave me a, a word, a picture during the um, prayer meeting, um, the last one that uh, I was at. And uh, So when I'm sitting down and saying, OK, God, what do you want me to preach about? Um, I looked at John 11. I looked at others that I've been reading that inspired me, that God's spoken to me about. But then as I looked at this one, it just seemed to unpackage and unpackage and unpackage. And I thought, like, OK, God, so this is what you want me to talk about. So John chapter Um, I have to get my spanky calls out for this one. But what I'll say is, if you look at the end of John chapter 20, that seems like the ideal place to finish a chapter. Because it says, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Well, there's that theme again eternal life. But then we go into uh, John chapter 21. And it's kind of like saying uh, John's inspired by the Holy Spirit to write about the restoration of Peter. So the last encounter for Peter really was, apart from seeing him in the, uh, the upper room with the other disciples, was denying Jesus as at his, at his trial when he's being led out. And Peter denies Jesus three times. And that's significant, and we'll come back to that in a bit, unless my time completely runs out. But let's have a look then at uh, chapter 21, verse 1 to 17. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee. And in this way, he showed himself, Simon Peter, Thomas, called Dinimus, Nathanael of Canaan, and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus.' Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Well, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast their net, and they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard this, it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, For he had removed it, obviously, and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he had raised from the dead. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. What's interesting about that passage is that it doesn't refer to Peter as Simon. It doesn't refer to him as Peter. It refers to him as Simon Peter. Now that's interesting and I'm going to suggest that... Simon, or Peter, was confused now about his identity. That he was Peter, he was the rock on which the church was going to be built. He was buzzing, he was like, out there. Yeah, I'm never going to deny you, Lord. I'm out there, I'm the one at the front, I'm the one who's going to cut the guard's ear off. I'm going to stand up and I will never deny you, Lord. But then he denied him three times. Watch your confession. But he's out there, but now... He decides, I'm going fishing. He's gone back to his roots. He's gone back to his default position. Is he Peter or is he Simon? And we can very often go through a period of like, oh, well, I'm right in the centre of God's will and presence and it's awesome and it's amazing and I just love this and never want to leave it and God, I'm going to follow you all the days of my life. And then our feelings change and something takes place and it hits us and we're kind of like, oh, well, uh, yeah, God, I've got to get this thing done first and then I will be on my way. Um, But, you know, we're just mixed up, messed up with our identity of who we are in the Lord. So he went back to his default position of fishing, yet he was called Simon Peter. They went fishing at night. It was night time, it was dark. The Lord had gone, they were alone in a boat, and it was quiet, and they caught nothing. I'm gonna suggest that as a church, we've been in a night season, it's been quiet. Yeah, of course, we get the prophetic words and we get the awesome worship and um, all that sort of stuff is great. But we've never yet as a church experienced the greatness, the glory, the awesome, majestic presence of the Lord in such a tangible way that people are just getting healed left, right and centre. And as I've said before, we just need that one, just that one miraculous healing and people will come. People will flock as they did in Jesus' day. So we've had a season, this is not to judge or condemn, but I feel like we've had a a night season where it's been quiet. It's been a frustration. The disciples were the experts in the boat, and yet they caught absolutely nothing. Now we've been doing church for quite some time. We're experts at it, we're pretty good at it. We know how to do it, we know how to sing the songs. We know how to preach, we know how to uh, serve drinks, we know how to do church, we make it look like church. So when somebody walks in who's been to church, who's experienced church somewhere else, they can walk and go, yeah, this looks and sounds like church, this must be church. But I've got a feeling that God's going to go, nah, let's mix it up, let's turn it around, let's change it, let's do something different. And so there we are with the disciples in the boat. And they were doing their thing. They did the thing that they knew how to default back to. And sometimes as church, we default back to what we think is church. Or we might move the furniture around a little bit to make it look like God is doing a new thing. But in actual fact, nah. So let's not kid ourselves. So I feel like the disciples had their night season. But it was of their own doing. And sometimes it can be of our own doing. That we think we're busy. We think we're on with it. We think we're doing all the things that we really ought to do. But actually, we're experiencing night season. But because we're moving the furniture around, it feels like we're doing something fresh. And mustn't we be in the presence of the Almighty getting it absolutely spot on? But verse 4 says, that's the condemning bit. But verse 4 says, but when the morning came, Jesus stood on the shore. Now he might have been stood there all night, we don't know. But only in the morning, when they have gone off, done their own thing, and caught nothing, in the light of the day, when they have exhausted their own energies, they recognise Jesus on the shore. Jesus wasn't in the boat we go off as experts in our own faith in our own church, and sometimes it could be true to say that Jesus just isn't in the boat. But the good news is, He's nearby, He's on the shore. He's saying, Hey, children, how's that working out for you? I'm actually, we haven't caught anything. Are you growing? actually no are you seeing God do stuff not really how's that working out for you he lets us go our own way and we have a season but it's a night season we do our own thing we explore for ourselves we try it out we give it a go and actually Jesus is saying how's that working out for you Not too good, is it, if you're honest. If you're not too, if you're honest. Then Jesus said to him, right, now cast your nets onto the right side. Well, they're fishermen. They know how to fish. They've been fishing for years. The left side is no different to the right side. But what we can tend to do is go in the natural, let's do this. On the left side. Dare I even say... The wrong side. But Jesus says, now, cast your net on the right side. Come on now, church, let's get this right. Jesus is saying, come on now, cast your net on the right side. Does that suggest we've been casting our net all this time on the left side? We're doing church, we're doing okay, it looks and smells and tastes like church. Coffee's all right, But actually, we just need to stop and go oh right, okay Lord, that side, it's a small action, it's it's, it's just so little, left side, right side, what difference does it make? But just that following the instruction of the Spirit means we get it right, it might not seem radical, it might not be the latest move in Toronto, but if it's right here, if it's what God's saying to us here, then that's what we have got to do. I'm not interested in trend or fads, I'm interested in what the Spirit is saying. And so this message is a a call to repentance, that actually we've been going this way for quite a long time. We've been putting our net over this side, but actually God is saying now, cast it over this side. So part of this word that I had during the prayer meeting, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like sitting there thinking, oh... God, this is, this is judgmental, it sounds critical, I'm not sure I want to share this. I'm quiet for half an hour. Uh, I'm not saying anything, not praying, not getting, looking, something spiritual. And I've put my hand over the side of the sofa, and I'm going like this, and I've got a picture of my hand in water, and there's just fish all around it. There is fish all around my hand, and all I have to do is just hold some food out, and the fish will feed. And if we just get it right, if we just hear what the Spirit is saying... Then it, it, it happens, it comes, it clicks, it comes together in a way that we could never orchestrate. It's only in a way that the Spirit, by His leading, can lead His church into. So they cast their gnat, so they cast even, and now they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. If we just get it right, things click into place, and God moves. So, John, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, he said, hey, it's the Lord. And Peter, I not know what Peter was doing at this point, who knows, probably cleaning a net or something like that, I don't know, picking his nose, but he didn't realise that it was the Lord until John said, and he's like, it's the Lord, and he didn't even think about it, he was like, whoa, yeah, didn't contemplate, hang on, we've already seen him, is he ascended? is he still here, what's going on, uh, oh, ah, now, it says he put on his outer garment and he plunged in. Now, I was having a shower this morning and I'm still pondering all this word and kind of letting it mull over. And, I, and in my notes, I've jumped over the bit where it says he put on his outer garment. So I'm in the shower and I'm talking to Jesus and, and kind of asking about that. Well, I was, I was kind of imagine preaching it, if I'm honest. I was imagine preaching it. And uh, I get to the bit where he put outer garments. I don't get that bit. Move on. And he went, well, hang on. Hang on. He put on his out, outer garments because he had no intention of getting back in that boat. He was in this and he was going. He's seen Jesus. That's the direction I'm going. Outer garment on, I'm off. And he plunged in. He had no intention of keeping one hand on the boat and one hand on Jesus. It was all Jesus. And that needs to be our hearts this morning. So if you're in any doubt of your salvation, if you're in any doubt, of your uh, belief in God and your commitment to God, I'm going to invite you and challenge you to take the plunge in. Take your hand off the boat, get your outer garment on, because we're going on a journey and we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to get this thing right because we're hearing now that it's not the left side of the boat, but it's the right side of the boat. Are you with me? Ooh, I was on a roll then and I've just suddenly stopped, a full stop. Now, they get onto shore and we read towards the end of that passage that Jesus challenges Peter and says, do you love me? I was like, why do you do that three times? And I watched the sermon on Friday night and it was pretty dull to be honest, it wasn't like a teaching thing, it was really dull. I didn't get much from it. But one of the things I thought was interesting was... That there was three confessions. Yes, I love you. Yes, you know that I love you. Yes, you know that I love you. Three confessions. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. I don't know him. I've got no idea who you're talking about. No, I don't know him. Two, yes, I know I love you. I love you. You know all things. I love you. And it was almost as if those three uh, denials were cancelled out by those three confessions of who the, the his, his love for Jesus is. Now there's a whole host of other stuff around that which I'm not going to go into. But there's a thing called mindfulness, I think it was mentioned before, a few months ago, mindfulness. And uh, I was in a, a lecture on Thursday afternoon, and I had a guest lecturer come in talking about mindfulness and resilience. Resilience in youth work, and how to, to cope with young people, I think more than anything else. And uh, they did a little exercise, and what they did was, they go, oh, everybody close their eyes. And you close your eyes. And they put on some some music in the background. And this voice through the music starts to talk to you in lovely, calm, soothing ways. Now feel the floor. Feel your feet on the ground. Feel your shoulders relaxing. And if you didn't fall asleep... One of the, it struck me when I came back to this passage after hearing that, and I didn't make the connection at the time, that one of the things that they get you to do is go, now imagine that thing that worries you. And say to it, worry, worry, worry. Then think about that thing that you, you like, that makes you happy. And say, happy, happy, happy. So we open our eyes again, and I went, What was the point? Why do we have to say that three times? And she said it's because we label things. You need to label it. If it's a bad confession, if it's something that is worrying us, you've got to label it. Now, I'm not into meditation and I'm not into, unless it's Christian meditation, but I'm not into mindfulness and all that sort of thing. But I thought that was really interesting that actually sometimes we just need to, it was the three again. That was what struck me. It was the three. To label something three times. And there we see Simon Peter labelling his love for God three times. He was making that confession. And then we jump over into Acts And immediately, the Simon bit of it's gone. And now he is Peter. He is now, again, reaffirmed in his love for Jesus, in his direction. And then we find out about the Holy Spirit moving and the power and the resurrection. And he's back on form again because he's found his direction. He's now casting his net, metaphorically, because he's no longer fishing on the right side of the net. So, church... Let's have some of this, shall we? We're not, we're not having any more uh, this, this belief that, oh dear, someone's sick, someone's ill. We're not having any more that well, we'll, we'll take a risk and see what happens in a judgment seat. But actually, I'm living in sin and I'm, I'm living in death, but actually, I need to step into life. So we're having a bit of that. We're not having uh, negative confessions anymore but we're having confessions that we love the Lord. So church, I'd like to stand up and we're going to close uh, very shortly. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Freedom Church. We'd love to get to know you better if you're not already connected with us. Find out more about us on social media. Just search Freedom Church Leads or email us at hello at myfreedom.church.